our worship service this morning, those of you who are here and also those of you that are working, working, watching at home. Um, I encourage you all to open up your hearts and heart to God as we worship and praise him this morning and also as we share communion this morning, which will remind us of everything that he has done for us. Well, yes, good morning. Oh, it's great to worship with you. It's good to see you here on this wonderful, wonderful Sunday. You know, today is Holy Humor Sunday, so it's wonderful. Please don't tell any jokes. I get to, this morning I get to practice my stand-up routine. Oh, no. And you all have to pretend that you like it and laugh. And those of you at home, I won't know about it, but please do laugh. Don't, don't sit there and judge, okay? It's not the way to go. Either way, whether you laugh or not, would you please stand with me and sing and let's declare the goodness and the wonder of our glorious God. The words are on the screen. You should be able to follow along. So please lift your voices with me and let's praise our God together.
Please be seated for just a moment. We're going to go into a time of communion. I want you to know that uh, Conrad wasn't lying. This is the this is Humor Sunday, and uh, oftentimes the jokes on us because on Easter Sunday we're packed out. On this Sunday, eh, not so much. <laughs> but anyway, no. But truly, it is. So uh, find tell somebody a joke today. You know. Uh, make it at your own expense. That's always fun to do. And if you can't do it at your own expense, then pick on somebody. That <laughs> I'm always available. <laughs> Whatever. Do the preacher jokes. That's fine. But as we uh, continue in worship, and I want you to continue in worship, we are going to share in communion today. Um, I, for, I'm, I looks like everybody knows how we do this, but just in case, um, we're going to be passing out individually packaged communion servings. And uh, Barb and, and Marianne are going to be doing that as they come. Simply take it, hold on to it, because after we worship through the next song, 
then I will invite you and we will share that together. There are two tabs on each serving. So the top one is the clear tab. And that one can be the hardest because it can get stuck. It's something in the manufacturing. We've been checking and they generally do good, but once in a while. If it does have one of those, just take the two tabs and move your fingers this way. Rub them this way. And that should loosen the top one to let you have access to it. Um, Other than that, will you uh, pray with me? Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you made us in your image. You made us to love and you made us to be loved. When we turned away, when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. By the suffering, death, and resurrection of your only Son, Jesus Christ, you delivered us from slavery to sin and death and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you.
all to Jesus now, holding nothing back. I'm holding nothing back, cause I surrender. Yes, I surrender. you would peel back the top flap, take the wafer, the body of Christ broken for you, take, eat. Careful with the bottom flap. <laughs> the blood of Christ shed for you. Take, drink.
sing, let this be a place, let this be a place where you long to come as we make a way for your love. Let these hands be clean and this heart be pure, as blameless as the bride you're coming for, for it's the power of your presence that changes us, your glory all around us, and where undone you open up the heavens, full of fresh power of his presence. Let us pray. Lord God, we are thankful for the love you have for each one of us, which we are reminded of through communion. Let this be a reminder to all of us that you are with us, that you bring comfort and healing to those of us who need it, that you are faithful, and that we can trust you with all that is going on. Draw us close to you in our times of anxiety and in our difficult circumstances so that we will not be overtaken by the things that are happening around us, but let us live by the trust we have in you to walk through these times and the promises that you have given to us in your word. Thank you that you continually reveal yourself to us and help us to hear your voice and sense your presence in this time that we have set aside just for you. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We continue to uh, not formally greet one another, and we continually not take formally take an offering, but Um, We encourage you to try and find ways to reach out to others, not only in this place, but um, people that have been missing for a while, to call them and encourage them, send them carbs, do those kinds of things. And we know lots of you have been doing that, so we thank you for that. Also, thank you for those of you who have continued to support our church, either by sending in a check through the mail or by... um, electronic like PayPal or on the website or whatever. So thank you for that. And if anyone um, brought an offering this morning, there are offering plates at the back of the sanctuary. Um, So there's a reminder that um, as our church has been supporting CityGate with a lunch, the next one is on Saturday, May 1st. And there's a sign-up sheet in the back of the sanctuary. If you would like to help donate with food, Um, or even to be there present on Saturday to help hand out the food uh, to the community. Um, You can do that. You can just fill out the volunteer form. And also, um, it's spring, so that means First Church is looking for more people to add to their mowing team. And, And honestly, I think I've only ever done a push mower, so I think I might sign up, Keith, just because it'd be fun to ride around on that thing and... I've never done that before, so I think that would be fun. So if you would like to join in on the fun too, 
you can uh, talk to Keith or um, sign up somewhere. I guess it's in the back of the sanctuary. And I think that's all the announcements I have. We're not done worshiping God. We're going to continue to sing about his goodness. This next song, though, I don't have the lyrics up on the screen for you, so you're going to have to listen. I promise I'll do my best to sing as intelligibly as I can. Um, But please allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. We're not done with worship here, and and the Holy Spirit's not done doing what he wants to do in this place. Um, So even though we're moving on, I ask you, please engage your concentration. Pay a little attention here. It's going to cost you something, yes. But the payment, but, but trust me, it's worth the price. Put a little of effort into your concentration. Put a little bit of effort into using your mind and your heart and focus on the words. Focus on the Holy Spirit. Listen. Listen to what he wants to tell you and, and, and give yourself to him in worship as we sing this song, please.
Blow through this temple, blowing out the dust within. Come and breathe your breath upon me, for I've been. The scripture this morning comes from Leviticus 19, verses 11 through 18. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Some of you who have read through Leviticus consider that just one of the most exciting passages of Scripture you've ever heard. On and on and on. It's like reading a law book. Exactly. I was, as I was listening, I, I, that repeated phrase, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. You gotta ask yourself, why does God need to say that to us? Well, that's a good question. 613. Remember that. 613. Got it? For those of you who are tracking this kind of stuff, it's a prime number, okay? truly is, 613. It's the number of commands found in what the Jews call the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The number of commands, somewhere around, well, they probably began counting them very early, but somewhere around the third century after Christ, they wrote it down, so we have that record. Now, it doesn't cover when scriptures are repeated. For example, do not steal. You know that's in the Ten Commandments. You know that it's in Exodus. It's in Leviticus. It's in Deuteronomy as well. And so they don't count them twice. 613 individual commands. 365 of them are negative. You shall not. Do not. 248 of them are positive. Do this and live. Now, Jesus, and we studied this in Matthew 22, was tested. And he was tested on the Torah and on the commandments. And really, the, the, the test question is sort of like this. Out of the 613 commandments at your disposal, what's the greatest one? Most of us would probably back off and they'd be tempted to do something a little bit easier because we all know that the most important ones are the Ten Commandments, right? And we, we sort of have them memorized and they're all over the place. They're on courthouse walls or every, everywhere you can go, you can find the Ten Commandments. So one out of ten, which is the greatest then? Jesus showing great insight, great uh, Wisdom, showing great understanding of Scripture, and some other things, using a lot of well-reasoned, comes up with an acceptable answer. 
And the acceptable answer, even in that day among the scholars and the Jews, one of those acceptable answers was not one of the Ten Commandments. It was something out of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It's part of a, really a larger, uh, not much larger, but it's, 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 it's kind of the marching orders. It's probably the core, the center of our understanding of the Torah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, your God, is one God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. He got it. It was accepted. It was agreed upon. He's not just some fly-by-night. He understands the heart of Torah. Now, at that point, we don't know what would have happened. We don't know why, but as I was looking at this scripture, I was thinking about, I was thinking about my days watching, growing up, watching Rocky and Bullwinkle. Some of you will not have any idea what Rocky and Bullwinkle are. If you look at somebody who has gray in their hair or beard, they will be able to tell you, okay? Watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. Remember that moment? Okay, that moment, that's, that's this. That's, that's Jesus because he answers the question, which is the one great commandment of all of them? He volunteers, and maybe he knew something that they were going to try to trip him up next because, well, you got the first one right, what's the second? Maybe they were going to do it, maybe he looked at it, but it was not requested at the time, but willingly, and I believe intentionally, he offered it. He went ahead and spoke. Now, that means of the remaining 612 that were not included in the great one, he pulled one out. That one was was an obscure command. It wasn't on, it's not in the top ten. It's not in the Deuteronomy passage. In fact, you find it at the tail end of this exciting scripture passage that, that Marianne read for us this morning, this passage in Leviticus chapter 19. It's part of a list. And even as part of the list, it doesn't really have the character of being on the list, it just seems to be tagged on to the end of this list that was put together. Here it is, verse 18. Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge against anyone among your people. But love your neighbor as yourself. Almost as a throwaway line. Something that, you know, moms would do if they want to see if you're listening to them. You know, that kind of thing. And Jesus pulls this insignificant thing and raises it up to this is the second greatest commandment. Undoubtedly, it stunned the Pharisees and the scribes who were testing him. Undoubtedly, it was, it was, it, it was, it was that. But the one thing about it is the brilliance of it. It is absolutely, positively a brilliant moment in Torah scholarship in understanding of Scripture, all of that. And you know that because of the rest of the story. The rest of the story in Matthew 22 and the other accounts is, there's the first, there's the second. And Jesus gives this interpretive understanding. These two commandments, every other commandment in all the law, and all the prophets, essentially in all the Old Testament that you would find, are rooted in these two commandments. You can hang the rest of the laws and trace them back to these two commandments. Brilliant moment. Just for the record, Leviticus 19 starts out, God speaking to Moses. God spoke to Moses these words. So we remember that. Fast forward 1,700 plus years. No no fast forwarding? (laughs) Fast forward 1,700 years. Time of John Wesley. Now John Wesley was no slouch. I won't claim that he was brilliant. I particularly think he was, but he was no slouch. He was intelligent, he was well-educated, the best education of his day. He had a scholar's heart and mind. 
And he recognized in what Jesus said something that was absolutely true. It's not just that these are great commandments. These contain, these two moments contain everything that God wants for you and for me. Everything he wants of us. And his greatest achievement was not merely seeing this. Other scholars had seen this. Other great people along the history of the church and Christianity have seen it. These essential truths about what a Christian is. But for John, he went one step further. And he always kept it in the forefront of what he was doing. It was an unchangeable goal for him in his ministry in the, whatever, 40, 45 years of ministry that he changed the nation. Always in the forefront of the Christian life. And it's all about what a Christian is. A Christian is one who loves God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. A Christian is one who loves their neighbor as themselves. Everything else that a Christian is can be hung, certainly every other command can be hung on these two truths. We can change the loves of neighbor as it is. We can plug in there what Jesus plugged in there. He gave us, it's not really an abridged version of that. It's not really a paraphrase of that. It is a little bit of an amplification of that, but his phrase, which love others as I have loved you. These two, love God with all your heart, love others as God has loved you, as Jesus has loved you. It's important. Over the last few months on, on a communion Sunday, an official communion Sunday, I have asked you to go with me through something that Wesley wrote, the character of a Methodist, the character of a Christian. And in that, the first three weeks, that the first three Sundays that we did it, we're on the fourth Sunday that we're doing this, we had installments. And those three installments were all based on the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's what he was, that's what he was doing with that. Now today, you've received already, if you picked up a bulletin, the insert in there. I've got my copy here. It looks like that. This is the fourth installment. And obviously, loving God, a Christian, loves their neighbor as their self. We've got it. So now we're beginning to look at the second commandment. A Christian is one who loves God with all their heart, mind, soul, and who loves their neighbor as themselves. Now, those are the true truths, the two choices, the two commands. This is the two lifestyles that we're called to. And according to Scripture, they are impossible for a human being to accomplish. It is impossible to live up to these. The overwhelming testimony of Scripture is that it's impossible, given the nature that we find that we that we were born with this sin-filled, sin, originally sinful nature. Given that, it's impossible to love God like that. It's impossible to love our neighbors like that. That's the testimony of Scripture, over and over again. And if you pay attention to your study of history and your study of current events, it's still. The nature of human beings, there's this flaw in us that we are selfish, self-centered, that we will do stupid things and vile things, that we will be addicted, that we will be in bondage, all of it over and over. So there are two claims, if you want to claim to be a Christian, you, the real claim is you're making is that I love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I love my neighbor as myself. That would be the claim of a, of a Christian, what a Christian is or maybe on the way to being a Christian. They are impossible to follow unless two things happen. Unless our very nature changes. Unless who we are changes. Unless we're set free from the bondage that we're in to sin and to death. Unless we're transformed 
Scripture says, unless we're born again, unless we are given a new nature. And that's what Jesus came to do, to give us a new nature. That's the first condition that has to be met. That's just part and parcel of who. Without having that, we don't really have the opportunity. The second thing that we would need is we would need to connect to God in a more ongoing, intimate, abiding way. To have, to remain in the Holy Spirit, to abide in the Holy Spirit, to dwell in the Holy Spirit, and to have the Holy Spirit dwell in us. And that we have, because now, as a result of being, putting our faith in Christ Jesus, receiving this gift, receiving, being born again, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is given us to reside in us, not just to work from the outside, but literally to live in us, to fill us. That we have. Now, I mentioned earlier how brilliant Jesus was in this. Where did that brilliance come from? You ever wonder about that? It's a big question even today. We have a lot of sometimes brilliant people and sometimes not so brilliant people. And sometimes the brilliant people say something really wonderful and sometimes the not so brilliant people say something and you go, oh Lord, help us. But where did Jesus get this? Now, traditionally, we know that Jesus was fully human. He was, had the same nature that we took, took on our nature, so he's fully human. Was he that intelligent? Did he have that kind of education? Did he have that kind of mind where he could grab a hold of this in this so creative way and, and just do that? Well, I, I, I believe he, he probably was a lot smarter than I am. I believe he was probably a lot smarter than we are. But I don't believe that that's where it came from. So let's say it didn't come from his human efforts, from his human giftedness. Well, he came, he, we believe he's fully God. Okay? He probably just tapped into his personal God nature. And out of that nature, he was able to do this. And wow, on that. But that doesn't fit Scripture because Scripture says he emptied himself. He had the nature of God, but in coming to be like us, he refused to take a hold of it. He refused to use it. All the resources that were at his, at his beck and call, all the understanding, all the wisdom, all the power, I don't, I don't want that. I only want what we have. And he emptied himself. So there must be a third way. And it's what I've been saying for, for a long time now. Jesus was the only person that we've ever seen, except for a brief time, Adam and Eve, before they sinned. The only one here on earth who walked in his full humanity, in perfect unity with God, sinless in that way being filled with the Holy Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being informed by the Holy Spirit, and walking in this intimacy as the Holy Spirit filling his human form, and that's how he did it. Not human effort, not his God nature, but what we were created to be. This nature, this human nature, God created us that the Holy Spirit could be resident in us. That we would be united with the Father, with God the Father. What we were created to be. This is what a Christian is. Now, the only question remains, what's your expectation? What's your ambition? What's your declaration over your own life? What's your declaration of what God wants and what God is doing? What's your request? What's your prayer, your intercession? Historically, in the United Methodist Church, every preacher, every church time you go in and you see an ordained preacher of the United Methodist Church, back into the Methodist denominations and everything, historically, every one of us had to stand before people and answer 19 questions. Here's the first four questions. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? I know personally some people who answered that yes, and they didn't. You might know others. 
Second one, are you going on to, and here's the stumbling block, are you going on to perfection? What Wesley meant by that, because they're his questions, was are you going on to get to the place where you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself? That's where he was heading. Gets worse. Third question. Do you expect to get there in this life? Oh, just hoping I get there when I get to heaven. No, do you expect to get there in this life? Gets worse. Are you earnestly striving to get there? Wow. What's your belief about this? Do you believe what I'm rambling on about to you? I do. I'm simply sharing what I believe the scriptures say. My belief is that God is actively trying to restore us, faithfully trying to restore us, capably and powerfully trying to restore us to this place where we will love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, where we will love every other person as he has loved us. And that brings us to the handouts. All I want to do in this installment D, the fourth installment, installment D, I want to read these passages to you and then give you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord, amen, let it be. A declaration, a request, asking that God, that, and, and, and really believing that this is what God wants for me, for you. Okay? Let me read this and then we'll walk through the, 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 the call response here. Loving God, a Christian loves their neighbor as themselves. They love everyone as they love their own soul. If that's your declaration, if that's your belief, if it's at your hope, if it's your ambition, if it's your request, your petition of God, then I'm going to ask you to say, yes, Lord, amen, let it be. Yes, Lord, amen, let it be. A Christian loves their enemies. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. A Christian loves the enemies of God. Little boy. And if it is not in their power to do good to their enemy or the enemies of God, Yet they will not cease to pray for them. Even though they turn on you and spurn your love and despitefully use you and persecute you. If that's your declaration, if that's your expectation, if that's your ambition to get to that place, if that's your belief that God is getting you, then I invite you to say with me, Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. Yes, Lord. Amen. Let it be. Let's pray as the band comes forward. Father, you have high expectations for us. You alone are able to get us there. You simply want to turn our hearts to making this our ambition, to making this our goal, the prize that we are moving towards, to accomplishing this wonderful place Write this on our hearts. Increase our faith to believe that you're capable of doing this in us and for us. And Lord, yes, whatever your will is, that's what we want. Amen. Let it be, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The song we're going to sing, the song we're about to sing in the chorus is Let God Arise. Now, obviously, we're not asking for God to rise up in a physical way. That's not really what the song is talking about. The song is talking a lot about what Pastor Walter just talked about. It's a poetic way and a, an artistic way of saying, let God arise Let in our lives. Let godliness arise so that those around us can see that our God, because our God already reigns. 
now and forever. God cannot rise any higher. He's sitting on the throne. Jesus is on the throne. He cannot be risen any higher than what he is. He is almighty, all-powerful, all-glorious. But we're singing this song, celebrating his perfect resurrection, his perfect power, his perfect glory, his perfect reigning. And, and at the same time as we celebrate that, we're asking, we're asking with this prayer that he would arise in our hearts and in our lives, that our lives would testify to that, which is the truth. So as we sing the song, would you please stand with me? Words are on the screen. You'll catch on quick enough, I believe. And uh, sing it out with all your heart, all your, all your strength and might. And if you can, sing it louder than me, please. <laughs> Watch the waters part before us now Come and see what He has done for us And tell the world of His great love Cause our God is a God who saves Yes, our God is a God who saves Cause the church will stand, yes she will endure Cause he holds the keys of life, our God Death has no sting, no final word, no our God 